Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome back. We're going to talk about Alicia and my IVF experience. Um, The fact that it doesn't just start for couples. When you find out that you're infertile, it starts a long, long time before that and um, can cause some issues. So today we're joined by a past guest, uh, Sarah Blackmore. She will be hosting today, so she will be asking the questions. So it's going to be quite different from myself. And and welcome, Alicia, who will be yeah will be openly discussing our journey through IVF and being successful in the first attempt, um, which is really exciting. And she's now uh, nearly nineteen weeks. So, how are you today, Alicia? <laughs> I'm going good. I have prepared my notes again. Already? Ah, yes, yes, very much. With all our specific dates to um, let the listeners know, yeah, when our journey starts and to not miss out on all the important parts that um, occur before actually getting pregnant. Well, why is it important and why do you want to share this story? Because this is, this is obviously quite difficult. Why is it important for you to be here to, to open up about this? Um, I think it's important to let people know that the journey just doesn't start um, with the IVF process and all the injections, that there's so much involved prior to it and it's not smooth sailing. And um, I suppose I want to let people know the ups and downs around it and what's actually involved in it. And that if people do have, you know, something similar to us, it's kind of like, well, this is kind of the pathway you can go. And if you do need to reach out, we've experienced it and we know exactly um, how you're feeling. So, um, yeah, I kind of, yeah, just want to help other people out there who experience ex- the same type of journey as us. And Yeah, and I think that's really powerful as well to be able to kind of say that this is exactly what's happened and we want to help the the next group of people that come through and go through the same kind of thing. And just just the generic stuff that they don't really tell you through hospitals and things like that that you're going to experience, this can really give them that opportunity to kind of find those answers as well. Yeah, and as we'll probably go into the podcast, the easiest thing was finding out we're infertile and we actually had a process. The hardest part was probably the time before that when we just really didn't know. Um, That was what tested our relationship the most. So, um, yeah, and I guess I want to share because exactly what Alicia said, but we were successful on the first go and um, it's the first time I've ever heard anyone be successful on the first go, but since talking about that other people have said that they were as well and I was like why have you never said that why have you sort of left that out and um they were like we're too embarrassed or too ashamed we don't want others to feel guilty so we're we're sort of not celebrating the success that people have um despite it being first go which I think um, needs to change because we also need to open up to give hope to people that you know it can happen first go as well um we we all know that it can happen twenty seventh yeah. go or or it may not happen as well. I know I've heard of people that um, haven't been successful at all um, and have looked you know at adopting or or just accepted that they won't have kids and that's okay. So um, yeah, this is I guess another part of the story. So hand it over to the host, 
for the first question of yeah, the episode. Absolutely. So how long have you guys um, been trying to have a baby? Alicia, do you want to handle that? Um, you got the dates yeah, in I, front of you. I do. I have all the dates for us in front of us. Uh, um, so I reckon it will take it back to maybe mid-2018, um, around about then. I, you know, don't know the exact date. Um, but, you know, it's been a fair while that we had started and that's that would probably already be about 10 months, say, into our relationship. We were very open with each other that we both wanted kids and um, being older in our relationship um, was kind of like we didn't really want to stuff around. I was, was, yeah, very honest with each other and um, I suppose we were not trying. So we are just, you know, to open to the idea if it happened, it happened. But, um, yeah, that's probably back mid-2018, I'd say, when it all, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So um, obviously that was, what, three, nearly three years ago now. So that's that's definitely a really long time um, and then there's that, two-year gap in between obviously the uh, IVF process and there's a massive two years there that that happened for you guys so um kind of like run me through that and how that kind of that kind of happened and how you guys started to go down that path well I think I think the first part was natural it was it was we were just enjoying life um you know when we felt in the mood, we'd have sex um, and there was no like, it wasn't like deliberately to try and have a baby at this stage, but it was like if it happens, it happens. We're, we're right to do that. Um, we're, we're in a pretty good position where we'll be supported and um, we felt like we could bring raised kids in the environment we, we had. And, yeah, so it was, it was very, the first, I mean, six to six to probably eight months was just, fine and then we mentioned it to um someone who does did alicia's spray tan um and my spray tan i just throw myself under the bus um there um there was, was a, a, a once there's a once off people i don't get them all the time um he's lying just, i've just, seen him multiple he's lying it's <laughs> been a once off oh, four times in my life off. um <laughs> And we just, I was just speaking to her and she, she just mentioned that there was a couple of things we might be able to do and, you know, people out there um, who have tried for kids and have struggled might, might know them. You put your legs, legs the female puts their legs up in the air and um, all that kind of fun stuff. So we, we started to do that um, a bit more regularly and um, just sort of to see what would happen. That was, that was sort of the first step to the process. Would you say, like, yeah, and then from there, um, she also suggested, um, uh, possibly I go and get some acupuncture done just to help relieve some stress because obviously, um, life just is, is stressful, but you know, trying for a kid, um, is definitely stressful in its own way as well. So, getting the acupuncture done to, um, help with the blood flow as well and help with the, um, I suppose the blood flow through my reproductive system as well. So uh, she suggested that. So I went to a lady up in Lilydale and that was costly, but um, it was part of the process that we wanted that, that, you know, that might help us to get pregnant. So 
Um, got the needles done on a weekly basis and she also prescribed some really tasty herbs to consume daily. Um, so gross. <laughs> yeah, a bit of sarcasm behind that. But, um, you know, you, gotta, you do what you got to do. And, um, yeah, so I suppose, yeah, did the acupuncture and probably for about four months because um, she then ended up moving to kangaroo ground. But I just followed her because she's like, you know, this will just continually help um, with the process. And, um, yeah, it kind of like got to a point that I was like, okay, something's, you know, it's still not, you know, nothing's been successful for Shane and I. And, um, you know, the as I said, the acupuncture was adding up. It was just starting to get really costly. So we're just like maybe we'll just, I'll just stop that again and just go back to naturally trying um, and see what happens. Um yeah absolutely and um in terms of like other natural things that you tried so you've done the acupuncture you've got all these gross medicines that make you want to vomit every time you have to do a shot of it um Mm -hmm. is there other things that you started to change like your diet I know that it it passed we've spoken that you guys have had a pretty good diet um is, is there anything else that you kind of started to change to assist in that time um no I don't, I don't think we did necessarily we as you said we, we were both um pretty health, very very healthy at the time physically um and mentally for, for that first period of time we definitely were um it probably slipped in the second half which we'll talk about soon and the complications and the emotional sort of trauma we're putting each other probably through a little bit and um but through that initial stage i think we were you know, as a, even as a traditional um, diet, we're, we're eating well and truly above the recommendations for vegetables and first-class proteins and healthy fats. So we we were doing everything we possibly could um, at that time but still sort of wasn't coming to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. It's um obviously that would be a pretty massive strain on both of you. I mean – together you're trying to create something and something just isn't working. So so did it get to the point where you kind of started to blame each other and you, you weren't really interested around being each other uh, being around each other um, and things like that? Or how how did that kind of go for you guys? <laughs> well, uh, and I I can probably pinpoint the moment a little bit to when that started and that was when you you start to date everything. So it was Alicia started to get a couple of apps in her phone, which would date all the female um, cycle, when we'd uh, have sex, when she's ovulating, all of that kind of stuff, which I understood that when you're being told I'm ovulating in two days and we need to have sex from this day to this day and try and have it as much as we possibly can, like that's not how you want to live a life. Like you're scheduling work and meetings. You don't schedule in sex. Um, so while at the start it was initially like, yep, yeah, let's follow it. It I think it slowly, without us even knowing it, it really started to affect both of us. Um, you know, and I'm sure Alicia can um, agree with that. Um, yeah, hundred percent. It did. Like um, one of the reasons why. I got the app was 
With the acupuncturist, they want to know your cycle dates and how often you are, your, how, how long your menstrual cycle actually goes for. So for them to obviously need to know that information, I need to track my information um, on a regular basis. So I was very fortunate um, and my periods uh, were quite regular. So between 29 to 31 days, is, um, which is quite the average um, so that made things quite easy in a sense to know when my ovulation date was. But it's amazing. This is all information that I didn't know. Like, you know, the acupuncturist was wanting to know what my mucus levels were like, what was my flow like when I had my period, or did I have blood clots? And it was all these questions that I had never been asked before. I'm just like, I just have my period, you know, once a week and, you know, it's just a, a female well, thing that happens. Oh, sorry. Sometimes it feels like once a week. Sometimes it feels like once a week. But yeah, and so answering all these questions, I needed to track that information to provide it for my specialist, I suppose, at the time. Um, so yeah, so tracking all that information did make it quite challenging on our relationship because. Um, yeah, it, it did feel very um, structured and I was like, okay, th- this is when we're having sex and it needs to be all this scheduling because obviously you only got that basically 48-hour window. So um, to schedule in sex during that time was hard because, you know, life does get in the way. There's things that get in the way. But, you know, th- um, in my brain I was like, this is where we've got to have sex here and now or else we miss an opportunity for another month. Um, so that made it really challenging on us, and I suppose that's when our fights really started on a monthly basis. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine. it. Um, especially because, like, you've not only just made a commitment to each other and yourselves, but you've made a commitment to creating another life. And that that for you guys obviously spans like way past the expectation that you already hold on yourself like you've then got it on top of the fact that you're trying to please your partner and trying to create another human which is like incredible (laughs) well yeah and that's that's what it was those my we we did we we had disagreements monthly and it was so emotional because i my dream since i was a kid was to be a dad like and this since i was five and Alicia basically started questioning that. She's like, do you actually want to have kids? Do you want to have kids with me? Because I didn't want to, like, have sex to this schedule. Um, so it was, it was really hurtful. In, and she wasn't intending to hurt me, but we're both hurting each other unintentional. And, yeah, I remember um, it was – we were actually living at her mum's that time to save money. Um and yeah, it was each month, you know, I'd just walk out into the like living area and then she'd kind of follow me out. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Like I, I do want kids. And she'd be like, oh, but if you, if like, this is what you're doing, do you actually want kids? I'm like, well, yes, but I'm like, I don't want my life to be scheduled. I just, I want to enjoy this. And sex became about not enjoying it. And it was, yeah, it was really, really difficult to actually process through that period of time. Yeah. So in terms of that, what would you kind of uh, suggest to people that are going to be going through similar kind of things? What What would you say to them, like, at this exact moment to help them through that? 
Alicia, you go first. Oh, that's a that's yeah, that's a good question. A tough question though. That's, that's uh, why I sent it to you. <laughs> that's my Shane. Sorry, me under the bus to go first. Yeah. <laughs> um. Look, I don't really have. You know, every per, every couple's different, so things are going to work for some couples and others. Um, it won't. So. I suppose you just need to keep the communication completely open um, with each other. And I know both of us, every time we had the communication, we took it personally. Um, So as much as you need to keep that communication, you need to try and remove the emotion from it and not be, not take everything so personally. And that is bloody challenging (laughs) because, you know, you're talking about things here that um, is going to change your, your life in trying to start, you know, have a have a child. So the communication is definitely important. Um, yeah. But I suppose also speaking to other, you know, speaking to some close friends just to use them, I suppose, as a, a sounding board um, to let your frustrations out and try not let them out on your partner because, I, you know, we definitely let our frustrations out on each other or, you know, once a month. Um, and that just made it really challenging. So um, I suppose there are two things that I would suggest. I don't know, yeah, really what else um, yeah. that I would I yeah, think, say. Um, I, I, I think also as well kind of what you're saying too is that um, you're not the only person in the situation. So obviously you're a partnership. So remembering that although your emotions are really powerful and that you need to express them and you still need to feel them, but also trying to remember that there's another person that is also feeling the same too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think on top of all of that, I think you've got to actually just trust your partner or trust the relationship as well. We probably we probably both didn't trust each other because of how the emotions went and then we'd, we'd question or we'd throw out, you know, one-liners, which which we didn't mean, but in that heated uh, environment, we did it. And, um, you know, in hindsight, would, would, could we have done anything differently? I don't think we had the capabilities to do anything differently. That was just how we knew how to process it at the time. So my, my, my advice on that would be to – if you find yourself in that heated emotional space, one of you go, both of you go for a walk, but go in separate directions. Um, no, no matter the time, you can go out at night and whatever. Um, just one walk one way, one walk the other way, and to say, let's meet back at the house at 15 minutes. And if we're still heated, let's sleep on it. If we're in a calm and rational state, let's talk about it and work out something that you know is beneficial for us moving forward because. Yeah, like it it tested our relationship and, um, yeah, there was moments. And I think it's really it's worth mentioning, like I, we probably broke up once or twice during that period of time. Yeah. Um, like not broke up officially but like took breaks. Um, one At one time I went and stayed at a couple of mates' houses and they were like, oh, you, you know, you can't be doing this in your relationship kind of thing. And I was like, you've got no idea what's happening, like, we're trying so hard to build a family and it's not working and it's causing a lot of – and I, I never told them that because they, the people I stayed with had kids. So it was like they weren't going to understand it. So it was that made it even more difficult. So I think it's really important as well, trusting your partner, giving yourself the, the space, not exactly how we did it, but as I said before, 
but then also finding people that may be in similar positions that are struggling and that's really hard because not not a lot of people are open about it but um you know if people are going through it now we'll be happy to answer people's phone calls or messages and um yeah i i released a, a podcast on when I was infertile, found out I was infertile last year and then have since removed it, but I had about five people reach out to me um, and say they'd gone through the same thing. So, All right. Um, when did you guys want to move on to the IVF process now or is there anything else you want me to cover before we move on? Lisa, um, go to your notes. <laughs> I uh-huh. wrote my notes. So... After I suppose all of that again, I when I was speaking to a friend, um, she suggested an acupuncturist who was specialising in women um, who were trying to get pregnant and she had a lot of success stories through um, her acupuncture. Um, so I was like, all right, let's give acupuncture a go again. Um, she went more into detail about my menstrual cycle, wanting to know everything um and Shane actually went and saw her at one point as well so she just wanted to know everything to do with our lives so um wanted to know how long I was on the pill for she wanted to know what medication we were both on to check whether or not any medication was impacting us um that all came back negative so there was no impact from the medication um and just speaking about the pill just then I actually listened to a podcast that was to do with um, pregnancy and um, I was listening to uh, a gynecologist on there and I found some interesting information out. Um, it was after that we've recorded our first podcast of this and the actual gynecologist made comments saying being on the pill doesn't actually affect your fertility levels. Um once you go off the pill, our, our bodies actually take about three days to go back to normal. Now, I had the perception because I was on the pill for, say, 15, 16 years that I was going to take a good six months to get out of my system. However, that is basically a myth around um, the pill that, yeah, once you've stopped taking it for three days, your body starts regulating it. Uh, normally and the hormones just all go back to normal. So that was some interesting information that I found out because I thought originally that I could be a bit of a problem because I'd been on the pill for so long. Um, But, that yeah, that was a bit of some interesting information. So it was end of 2019, so around October, I went back and got got some acupuncture done, some more tasty herbs um, and did that for about – three months um and yeah that kind of brought us until uh that was actually when when she yeah before Shane went into hospital um and yeah that's when I kind of stopped um once that kind of process happened um just to see what what would happen afterwards um yeah yeah. um just very quickly, you couldn't remove this if you don't want it in there, Shane. Um, so during that process, obviously you experienced a lot of mental illness um, and I know that you released something saying that you were hospitalised. Obviously, Alicia was just talking about it. Do you think that um, this this kind of cycle and this, uh, I'm going to say experience for you guys, had a big strain on that as well? 
Yeah, oh, without a doubt. And I'm not, I'm not saying it was 100 percent that or blaming that experience, but yeah, add that onto um, a lot of other things. You know, it's the final straw. I and our relationship was at a point where we even said the night before I went into hospital, the couple of days before, if I, if I come out and I haven't changed or we're still sort of acting the way we are towards each other, we have to both walk away for, for the benefit of us. And, yeah, as you say, like part of that was the fact that we, we still couldn't conceive like, and we didn't know why. We, 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 were tr- we were trying everything we could and that was, I think that was breaking us both pretty quickly and then but it was despite me being in hospital both of our mental health were were falling yeah, pretty quickly absolutely so, absolutely without a doubt that um that definitely is something that that would kind of be the icing on the cake i guess and it would really really make or break yeah i think it was really good when when i reached the point where i went i need a lot of help like at the at that time, I need to I need to sort out what's going on. Um, it also gave Alicia time to reflect as well, um, and then we both sort of came out the other side and have just focused on growing as individuals, but also as a couple since then, and t- attacking things in a much more proactive manner. Like we talk about things um, much more proactively rather than reactively a lot of the time. You know, sometimes we still slip into old habits, but um, that's that's going to happen from time to time, probably till we die. But the aim is to to lessen that, and uh, we'll keep working on ways that we we don't do that. Absolutely, and just being aware of the the things that both of <laughs> both of you do to push each other's buttons <laughs> makes it really awesome to be able to go. Okay, I've really annoyed Alicia now, or I've really annoyed Shane now. Um, what will I do to make sure I don't do this again or whatever it might be? So I think that obviously the the mental um, illness side of things as well is something to definitely keep in mind with this process. Yeah, and, and, it, and it really is because the, the process, despite me having a history of mental health um, issues, like this can be really testing for any human being because you, you – kind of is this stigma around it in in you, you sort of have to have kids like and I, I I don't know if you have this yet Sarah but a lot of people ask you when also when are you guys having kids and it's like <laughs> my like, seven-year-old asked me the other day she said Sarah when are you having a baby and I just said you'll probably be closer to having a baby before I think about it <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, it's and that's the thing like that just added to to all of it as well be and it wasn't necessarily so much people asking that it was the fact that we everything was sort of happening around us and it still wasn't happening for us so we had this expectation on ourselves that we had to have a kid all this kind of thing and we, we wanted it now so we had to have it now so it all just escalated and um yeah everything suffered because of it it wasn't um you know one thing that was sort of going well at that period of time yeah, absolutely. So, um, Alicia, what was the process uh, with the IVF? So I know that you were at a cricket match, at Shane's cricket match. Is that right? Yes, I was. That's how I was, yeah, I was about to make comment. Um, while Shane was in hospital, like he made he comment made a really good comment saying 
whilst he was in hospital, that also gave me time to reflect as well. So I think we needed we needed that time apart from each other. Um, as much as, you know, he needed to work on himself, I did as well. And um, when I was uh, speaking to a friend at a cricket match, um, she had also experienced um, uh, infertility issues and she had already had two kids and um, the third kid was through IVF and we were just chatting just naturally, um, hadn't gone into really much detail about um, how long Shane and I had been trying for or anything, but her suggestion was to just go get tested. She just knew that, you know, some issues might arise and she's like, my advice to you guys is just go get tested um, because if you go get tested, at least you know what you're dealing with then, um, whether or not someone's um, infertile or there's something wrong with your eggs or you can get your eggs frozen. Um, it's So it's about just taking that next step now because we tried all the natural stuff. Um, so I suppose after that I came back and spoke to Shane about it and said, look, I think this is our next step and what we need to do going forward. I think we've tried everything else. Um, why don't we both just go get tested? So, we yeah, he agreed. And so it started with me. Um, I needed to go to the doctors and get a referral to a gynecologist. Um, and that was in March 2020 that I went to the doctors to go get that referral. Um, and I suppose that's when the whole process really started for us um, because, yeah, there's so many appointments that you literally have to tick off before even the whole IVF even starts. So um, I came back and, yeah, booked in with a gynecologist and then Shane and I had the phone call with our gynecologist um, at the start of April um, and then she was just asking all the questions, um, you know, what's our lifestyle like, what's our environment, um, how do we, what's our diet like, do we um, drink, do we smoke, do we take drugs, um, just wanted to know every little bit of background on us. Um, no. And then she was making fun of towards us of what we do going forward from there. Um, and I suppose that's, yeah, that's when all the, the testing really started for us, um, just to suss out. Yeah, what was going on in both our bodies? Um, so Shane got his test done first at the end of April, and then I got my test done at yeah just a couple of days afterwards at the end of April. Um, I suppose I'll talk about my test first, and then Shane can um, fill you in about how he felt once. Obviously, I got my results back, so. When he got his results, we needed to wait for those. They weren't instantaneously um, received. So I went and got my um, ultrasound done. Um, quite a painful experience um, because they also check through your fallopian tubes. So very uncomfortable experience but um, something that had to get done. And after that process, I found out that um, literally I remember the gynecologist telling me, like, everything's perfect. There's no, you know, you've got a perfect uterus, your fallopian tubes are perfect. So I'm like, well, I've never had that type of compliment before. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that's, you know, nice compliment to take. I've got a perfect uterus. Wow. Um, so that, you know, made me feel at ease knowing that I'm like, okay, well, um, I – 
there's nothing wrong going internally with me. So we'll find out what Shane, what happening with Shane and we'll basically take it from there. Um, but, yeah, I came out of the doctor's rooms and came down to Shane and informed him and, um, yeah, I suppose, Shane, you can take over and talk about how that, yeah, the impact that had on you then. Yeah, the impact. Uh, I was probably probably didn't impact me at all because I I just didn't know what to think because I didn't never heard of a male having infertility issues before. I'd always assumed it was the girl that had the lady that had the issues. I just I just figured that the baby being inside a female meant that that was the problem. So it was it was really weird to start with. Um, then when I got tested, even though I knew I had to get a test or got the test or whatever, um, then I got the test results back and um, then I realised, like, what was actually happening. So I had low motility, motility which is the speed of the sperm. Um, most good motility is at about 40% where I was at 4%. So there's still a chance, like, we could get pregnant, but it was obviously one in 10 sort of, and when you're pushing against, um, you know, a brick wall with having babies anyway, like there is already a small amount of time, um, it, it made it even more difficult. So we, I got that result and oh yeah, I was, I was heartbroken, um, to be honest, like my first initial thought was, I think I should leave the relationship because I'm the problem. Um, at least she's not going to have kids because of me. And I withdrew pretty quickly from the relationship over over probably a couple of months. And she kept trying to talk to me about it and saying, "Yo, know, this is where this is together. And while I knew that consciously, like subconsciously, there was this sick feeling that I wasn't good enough again. I wasn't good enough for her uh, because I couldn't, I couldn't help her have kids. Um, something that she wanted, something that I wanted. So for a while, I was in denial, um, typical male behaviour, really. I was denying any of my emotions. I was denying all of my feelings. I was pretending I was okay. But that just wasn't the truth of the matter. I, but I, got a, I sort of got away with it a little bit because I kept just saying, I've got to be retested. Let's wait until I get the retest. So I had to wait six weeks for the next test. And, yeah, the next test was the same. It's exactly the same result. So it proved that that was that was what was going on and that was the problem with us trying to conceive. So, again, I sort of had that guilt, but I'd done a lot of work in myself in that sort of 12-week period, roughly 10 to 12-week period, I would say. And I remember I was actually sitting right where I am right now uh, when I got the results. And I removed it from my inbox so Alicia couldn't see it because I wanted to sit on it for 24 hours. I spoke about it in a podcast about how I was feeling and how I was feeling was I was instantly thought I was a failure. I wasn't good enough. Um, and that was that was hard enough to, to grapple with. There was tears. Um, and it was funny because Alicia and her mum were out doing the gardening and she came in at one point and I like, heard the door and I just had to wipe away the tears because I didn't want her to ask any questions. So, yeah, the next day I, I basically told her and um, we basically we, we had a really good conversation and basically said let's go through IVF as soon as we can. 
Yeah, that's, um, I mean, you can't see my face right now, but my face was very sad face during that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, obviously that clearly had a a huge effect on you, Shane. Um, And Alicia, obviously being on the other side of that and seeing your partner so, uh, I'm going to say, reserved and taken away and, and really not wanting to be a part of anything. Obviously, you've already gone through that the year before or however long it was before when Shane was um, hospitalised. So that, that must have been really scary for you. Like what, what would you kind of suggest to anyone who finds themselves in, in your position? Um, yeah, it was it was definitely really hard. Like I'm finding myself just emotional now just reliving that um, part um, because I felt useless, like literally did because I couldn't help him. Um, he wouldn't let me help. Like we couldn't talk about it because he was just really shut off from me. So I literally didn't know what to do. Um, like I would speak to friends because, um, I didn't really have anyone else really to speak with. Like my partner that I was trying to go through this all with was just in so much pain and I literally didn't know what to do. Um, like counseling was helping at the time. So I know at some point I was getting some counseling done just to speak about it and get some, um, suggestions and basically, you know, I would say to him, you know, when you're ready to talk, you know, I'm here to listen to you. Um, but it was literally just a waiting game and that made it really challenging. Um, but something Shane touched on a while back was just trusting the relationship and just trusting that he would work through it and um, that everything would work out okay. Because my mind at times definitely went into like what's going to happen here because He's just completely shut off from me and we're supposed to do this together. But I had to bring myself back and go, just trust what's going on. He'll work through it at some point um, and we'll, go, you know, get through it again together. Um, and something that also was happening at this point in time, we actually moved house um, in throughout this period of time. So not only were we dealing with the infertility issues, we're also moving house, which is just stressful in itself. Um, so that was, and and there was a and there was a global pandemic, and we're in lockdown. Yes. So um, yeah, it made it, it made it really difficult. <laughs> well, it made it really difficult because we could only talk to friends like over the phone, and you just we both just wanted that connection with other people, and it was like we're going through probably the toughest experience of our relationship. Um, and we we actually can't see anyone. So it was our friends. While well, we we kept we kept a pretty open dialogue with our friends through text and and phone calls. Like it's, it just wasn't the same. We just needed to, you know to hug one of our friends or just be able to sit with them and have coffee or watch a movie or watch sport. And we didn't have which is which none of us had, but it just sort of added to the experience. And um, like oh, I'm really grateful that that all happened at the same time because it grew us, helped us grow as a couple, pardon me, and also helped us grow individually, dramatically. We had to learn, we had to adapt, and uh, we chose not to sort of pity ourselves too much. Um, there's obviously moments which I spoke about before, but, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a wild sort of three to four months. Everyone's going through a global pandemic, but, yeah, throwing a, 
the fact that I thought I was never going to be a dad and Alicia had a partner who was withdrawing because he felt like he was a failure, just, um, yeah, opened up. Could have, could have potentially, you know, opened up something much, much worse. Mm. Yeah, which we're all thankful for that it didn't. Indeed. Yeah, we are. We are. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, so after that process, so obviously it took a little while uh, to kind of get used to that idea, Shane. What What was the next step after that once you had kind of come to terms with that and decided, okay, we need to move forward now? Yeah, I think um, that we basically – got onto it straight away, the process of IVF. Um, we called up the doctor, the gynecologist, um, booked an appointment, said, what do we need to do? Um, it was just, yeah, straight into it. We we didn't want to muck around. You know, we'd been waiting for so long. Um, and it's it's funny because as, we saw, as I sort of touched on earlier, we didn't think it was going to happen first go. So we're just like, let's just get into it. Let's get the first cycle done. It might not work, and then we'll go again. And like we thought, you know, down the track it would happen because our wedding's in April this year, and the baby's now due late June. We didn't intend on that sort of happening. We intended on sort of the baby coming back end of this year. But yeah, we we're successful first go. But yeah, we I, I don't know. Alicia probably has more of a better rundown of exactly <laughs> what happened, but it was it was just jump straight into it really. Um. Yeah, so I suppose um, when we had that first initial phone call with our gynecologist back in April, she actually gets you to fill out some registration forms for IVF just in case you have to go down that process Um, because just registering with Monash um, does take some time and getting all the paperwork um, sorted. So if you you do go down that um, that pathway, that's already kind of set up for you. You don't need to wait for that process. So we did that back in April. Um, and then the next step for us was to we had to do um, couples counselling with an IVF um, counsellor. That's mandatory um, throughout the whole process. So she can basically get an idea of us and to see um what our situation's like and if we had any questions about the whole process because, uh, you know, there's so much involved in the IVF process and there was stuff that I had no idea about. I had, you know, an, an idea around a little bit of it but there's so much involved that I was like, wow, I didn't know any of this. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we had that counselling session in July, at the end of July, Um that's basically, you know, tick the box and we've done that. Um, and then they set you up with an IVF nurse. And as Shane mentioned earlier, um, we, we're we in a global pandemic and so we're in our second lockdown at this point. So everything was done via a phone call or a Zoom call. So I actually never got to meet my IVF nurse. She seemed absolutely lovely. Um Shout out to Renata, but um, yeah, never ever got to see what she looked like or anything, but she was absolutely amazing throughout the whole process. So had like basically an hour and a half phone call with her in early September last year and she 
ran through the whole process of what happens from day one of the IVF cycle to basically day 30 of the IVF cycle. And after that hour and a half, my brain was in was just absolutely spinning. Like uh, it was in overdrive. I had all these notes written down and I was just like, got off from the phone and I remember contacting Shane and I was just like, wow, I'm just so overwhelmed with everything. There's just so much information. Um, and I remember him putting his uh, therapy hat on towards me and he's like, you're just choosing to be overwhelmed with it. And I'm like, Okay, shut up. I don't need to hear this at that point in time. <laughs> this is <laughs> but, yeah, I was definitely choosing to be overwhelmed, but it was so much information and I thought, how am I going to deal with this in a way that I could handle it? And so once all the paperwork got sent through to me, I printed everything off um, and I had everything in front of me. I highlighted some dates Um and that just made me feel a bit more at ease because I'm like, okay, this is what's going to happen here. Um, you know, this is the medication I've got to take. This is the dates. Um, I'll just follow this process. So having it all printed off just made me feel a little bit more at ease um, and had a much better understanding of it, of what was um, about to, I suppose, happen. Because, um, yeah, it's a lot of information to take in. Can we also just add as well that Alicia is like one of the most organised people that I think I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, oh, you should you should you should say every bloody part of the house. Yeah. And and, and um, I'm like the messiest, so it's like this. Yeah. Oh, she put stuff away, and I'm like, why did you put it away? We can't find it now. Uh, it was it was it was fine there in the middle of the floor. I could find it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, but it's good. It's brought us both sort of. It's opened her up a little bit, but it's also like allowed me to go. Actually, being organised isn't so bad after all. So, but it's uh, it's really good in some ways. But sometimes I'm like, just relax for a second, mate. Like <laughs> as we're as we're like saying, so chill. Like here's my IVF type booklet. You know, you guys on. You guys on yeah. the podcast can't see it, but everything is here in a booklet, so I knew exactly what was happening for me. So it just that's just how I had to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's it. What I was um what I was going to add in as well. So Shane, um, your brain is wired differently that you you can deal with that craziness of no organization much better than what Alicia can, and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Alicia, with the the organizational side of things with the planning and with the printing and the labeling and all of that stuff more than what you do <laughs> and that probably explains why we clash so often in the, the whole lead up to the IVF process because she was trying to organize sex and I was like no let's just have sex like, yeah, absolutely. While we were organising every part of our life. But it wasn't always <laughs> like that with her. So it wasn't a judgmental thing about that. But that's yep. what sort of ground, ground my gears a little bit. She could she would wrap her head around that and I could not at all. Um, yeah. So, and I know some some males could and some females and they probably, that's, that's how probably some people's sex lives are and, you know, having kids might need, we might need a schedule when we have kids. So, um, yeah. It's, uh, it's really funny. I've, um, cause, cause Ash is a very, uh, 
quiet person, as we know, and he's he's quite shy, doesn't talk a lot, whereas I'm the complete opposite. And there's there's been multiple times where I've just said to him, hey, I don't need you to understand this. I just need you to listen because yeah. at the end of the day, he doesn't understand what I'm feeling and vice versa. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that he needs to be on the same level as where I am because at the end of the day, I'm feeling how I'm feeling. I don't want anyone else to feel that way. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're spot on. And that's, that's I think, one of, the, so one of the biggest pieces of advice probably out of this, but also any relationship is you don't have to be the same. You don't have to feel the same things. But, you know, there's moments like Alicia's pa passed away this last year um, during lockdown. And I, I'd never, I'd only met him once. So I didn't have this attachment. I didn't have these this overwhelming sadness like she did. But in those moments, it doesn't matter what I feel. It's put my arm around her and support her the best you can. Um, and that's what I think we've got to do is when one person's heightened, you just got to put your arm around and say, I'm here for you. I don't get it. You don't need to get it. It's just, yeah, exactly. I'm here for you. Exactly. Um, and that's probably what we didn't do in the initial part of our attempts. We, we both were like trying to, who's got whose feelings are right here or wrong like it was where it was like both of our feelings were completely valid exactly exactly and I think like acknowledging that from the beginning as well walking into this kind of um situation it's really important to remember that everyone's feelings are valid and just because you might not agree that they're getting upset over something doesn't mean that they're just going to be able to change their emotion yeah 100% (laughs) yeah and it's it's really important, like even in the – so working in the mental health field now, even when you know someone's factually not correct, it's mm. not about being right or wrong. It's, it's, it's you know, sometimes you just got to stick your pride and your ego aside for a second and just say, okay, like I can see where you're coming from. It doesn't matter if they're factually incorrect. If you, if you think you need to correct them because of your insecurities, then you've got to do some work on yourself because, you know, and, and – the further we get on, yes, we went through a global pandemic. There's so many conspiracy theories and all of that. And well, I, I never talk about what I believe and what I don't believe because in the end, we're all allowed to believe whatever the fuck we want to believe, um, whether it's factually correct or not, as long as we sort of get from A to B and support each other. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we've we we that's what we've learned. You gotta just support each other even if you think the other person's wrong. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's the kind of commitment that you guys make kind of going into this situation too. I mean, obviously it's been a long a long period of time, what, nearly two and a half years, nearly three years in the making. So walking into that kind of situation, that's the commitment that you make to each other as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So you guys are due June, did you say? June 23rd, yes. June 20, woo! And do we know a gender yet? No, we don't. No, we find out the gender. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Do we have a preference? No. No? No care? A boy or a girl? A healthy baby boy. I mean healthy baby. No, a healthy, healthy baby is fine. I, I don't mind. I think, yeah, this it's what it, it is. What it is, and we we said that from the start. Once we sort of found out, um, which was 
a whirlwind in itself finding out that we were pregnant. Um, so I, I guess I'll speak about that briefly. Is I was on a work call from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock and we knew we were getting the phone call. And it's really funny because what probably a lot of people don't know is through that IVF period, I don't know if you can ask questions about this, Sarah, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, it's all, it's all, um, it's all structured. Like with the injections on Alicia are really structured to a time. Um, I, I did most of the injections on her. I remember she was early on. She was she was watching me do it into her stomach, and I'm like, she was just in agony. I'm like, don't look at it then, and she stopped looking, and she didn't feel the pain anymore. I was like. Well, like, obviously, you're working yourself up so much that you're going to feel the pain sensation of the needle. But we're really fortunate that it was funny. She went and got a test. You got the blood, you got blood Alicia, didn't you? And you can probably take it from there, that little period of time, because it happened really, really yeah, quickly. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think. Are we going – do you want to talk about the, um, the actual cycle first, so before we fell pregnant? Um let's keep to your organised structure there's some good information to talk about what actually happens um, in those first few weeks um, and I suppose the lead up to the injections I had a bit of anxiety towards it um, because now everything was falling on me Um Shane couldn't do anything. Like it was literally about me and I'm like, I don't want to stuff this up um, because I, you know, we want to have have a child. So um, I got myself into a Facebook group, a Monash IVF Facebook group, and um, just asked questions um, of, you know, how to control um, this anxiety. And everyone's like, look, you won't stuff it up. The injections are so basic. They... Of course, obviously, we are going through COVID. We couldn't see, I couldn't see the doctor of how to do the injection. So they had all these um, videos on the resource page of Monash and you just watched the video and it was so straightforward um, and they make it so easy for you to actually do the injection. So before the first injection happened, I'm like, okay, Shane, you need to watch this. This is what you need to do and taking him through it to make sure he, you know, he didn't stuff it up because um, the first injection was a plunger one and I was just making sure that he didn't release the plunger inside me um, before he actually took it out. So I was giving him those strict instructions, but literally once the injections all started, it actually was so easy. Um, that actually wasn't the painful part. And as Shane said, once I stopped looking at the needle, um, it actually, yeah, it, it was no pain whatsoever. So, the injections went for about a week and a half or so and I my body actually was reacting really well to the injections and I was doing um, same like obviously the hormones going into my body and got a phone call. Um, we were actually doing a podcast at that point in time and I got a phone call on the Monday saying, all right, you need to get yourself to a doctor's clinic ASAP um, to get a COVID test done because before going in for the egg removal, um, I had to get a COVID test done. So as soon as that podcast finished, I was like, Shane, I have to go. You've got to cancel your appointment that you've got on um, as I've got to get to the doctor's clinic before 5 p.m. 
um, because I was going into hospital on the Wednesday. So everything was fast-tracked because I wasn't expecting to go to hospital until the weekend. Um, So, yeah, so went into hospital on the Wednesday um, and Shane came with me and he went upstairs to do his part Um, and then I went downstairs to get all prepped for Add the, the sticky smirk that Alicia just had on her face. Then <laughs> the, the boys get to do the happy part. <laughs> the best bit. <laughs> the boys are all just sitting up, you know, out front, all lined up together, just knowing each, you know, what each other's about to go do. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, awkward time in my life. Can we just pause there for a second? Because I'm very curious to know, how does this work, Shane? <laughs> how does it work? All right. So you literally, you walk into the, so we walked into the same building. Um, Alicia went right, I went left, and we said, good luck. And then <laughs> I walked up the stairs, and you walk in, and it it's it's probably it was probably made better because of COVID. This, 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 this is one COVID instance which was made better. You weren't allowed to sit next to the guy. You weren't allowed to sit next to someone. So there was a gap in between each seat. But you're like, you, you kind of walk in with your head down. You don't want to like make a lot of contact <laughs> with anyone. Then you walk up to the desk, which is which is a lady. Um, and then you're like, fuck, this lady knows exactly what I'm about to go do. Um, see, mine's like racing. And then she's like, oh, just letting you know, just because of COVID, we don't actually have any magazines. You can only watch the TV. You can only watch the movie. So you're like, oh, okay, that wasn't awkward at all. Um, and then, yeah, and then a guy came out. He, he'd, he'd done his dash and came out and you sort of looked, glanced at him and he, he wanted to go to the counter to hand her and he goes, no, no, you stay there. Like he, he didn't want me to, he didn't want to intrude with his sample. Um, and, yeah, then, yeah, basically you go in and, you watch a movie and um, then you hand the cup back to reception and, yeah, you try not to make eye contact with anyone else on the way out. Incredible. That sounds, so, like, that sounds like the most awkward thing in the <laughs> entire world. Oh, it's, it's, and, and we know what males are like when it comes to that kind of crap. Like we can happily like talk about disgusting things at the pub on a Saturday night, oh, but yeah. when it comes to actually doing it, we're yeah. like hopeless. <laughs> we just have no idea. So, um, yeah, it was – it was, and I do I do joke about it often to Alicia. Um, I was like, yeah, I got to, got to watch a porno movie with a guy on a, guy on a boat with four <laughs> chicks. Like, there you um, go. There you go. So – yeah, it was, and it was from the eighties. So, and and in fifteen to twenty years' time, after your baby's born, they can listen to this <laughs> podcast. Exactly how they were made. Yeah, we might we might be able to we might be able to chase back the movie. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that was uh, definitely something yeah. I needed to hear. So while Shane's doing that, here's me getting prepped for surgery. Uh, so but, um, a little bit more serious. But, um, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I'll never complain. That's for you despite didn't get any cool movies, Alicia. No, no. I was just seeing doctor after 
you know, um, anesthetist after the embryologist. And it was actually a really quick process. Um, they do a fantastic job there at Monash and they get you in and there's no waiting around. Like you literally, um, you know, get put into another room, get put into your gown and you just sit into another room and you just, it's a tick off process of all, you know, the doctors that you've got to see before you go in for surgery. And, um, once I'd seen them all, yeah, they literally, they walked me into the theatre and they're like, you know, this process will take about 20 or so minutes and then you'll wake up in the recovery room and we'll let you know how many eggs get collected. So, um, yeah, that all happened and came out and I was in the recovery room and they told me I had 11 eggs collected. And I was, at that point in time, I was like in a massive daze, like just coming out of anaesthetic and kind of wasn't really understanding what she was saying to me. So she repeated herself and I'm like, okay, yep. And they write it on your hand as well. And you just go into recovery room um, to just make sure that everything's all okay. And some people react and don't feel very well and actually start vomiting. But fortunately I, I was all okay. And whilst this was all going on, Shane was just down the road in a car park Um just waiting around until he got the phone call to come and collect me basically. Um, so, yeah, once that all happened, I suppose we yeah, we went home and I suppose that's when the discomfort for me started to happen um, because obviously they're prodding around in your reproductive system with needles and that and, um, yeah, I, I had just, yeah, heat packs on me that um, evening, I remember just lying on a couch and I was just, yeah, not not feeling great um, and just dosing up on some Panadol and um, and that's all I could have was Panadol because it's going through the whole IVF process. You're not allowed to take any anti-inflammatories. So Panadol was the only drug that I could consume at that point in time. Um and once the egg removal had now happened, I then now had to start taking this progesterone tablet um, that had to get inserted vaginally three times a day. And this wasn't pleasant. This had to happen. Oh, it was horrible. And I would wake up during the night in agony. In midnight, I'd be on the couch crying with the dogs, just in absolute pain. And, like, I didn't bother waking Shane up because there's nothing he could have done. Um, I wasn't allowed to take any other drugs apart from Panadol. I just literally had to go through this and wait for the pain to subside basically. Like I'd put my legs up, I would put myself in all these different positions to try and get the dis discomfort out of my body basically. Um, but, you know, then I just had to bring myself back and go like this is all getting done for you know, a good cause, good reason. Like we're, we're trying to have a kid. So try to start to think about the positives and try to ignore the pain um, after that. But from there, we then had the embryo transfer. So once Shane's uh, little specimen cup um, had been done and my eggs had been retrieved, they then um, do the in insertion. So because Shane had low motility, they did the – um, injection of the sperm into my actual eggs all individually to give them a higher chance of actually uh, forming an embryo, um, which is a more expensive process, but that was the process that was going to work 
for us um, due to the issues um, of the sperm. So, yeah, 11 sperm got injected to 11 of my eggs and we got the phone call to find out that nine of them have actually fertilised, which we were ecstatic with. Like they were really high numbers to have that success rate. Um, And we knew like, you know, this was pretty awesome to hear this news. And then it was just a waiting period for those those eggs and sperm to turn into an embryo, um, which takes five days. Um, And then I go back in again to get the actual embryo transferred into me. Um, and once we'd gone, once I'd gone to Monash again, I, we found out that seven had actually formed embryos. So two had died off, um, and didn't form embryos. Um, but yeah, yeah, one got transferred into me and six are now just sitting in the freezer until we want to use them at any point. Um, but yeah, then from six babies. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> um, so from there, um, no heat packs, no bars, nothing was allowed to be used. So um, this was the period of time that I want to just mention to people going through IVF that is actually the, the most painful part um, and discomfort. Um, not the first half because doing the injections, that's actually okay on the body. But when you actually have had the embryo transfer and you continue with the progesterone, that's the part that's really the discomfort. And I suppose that's the part that I wasn't aware of um, and didn't know that that would be so painful, I suppose. Um, So I suppose, yeah, that's some really good information to get out there to people. But once again, just bringing yourself back and thinking, we're, you know, doing this all for a, a good reason and trying to get pregnant. Um, so, yeah, that's basically the whole IVF part um, of how it gets done. Yeah. Pretty full on. Um, I did have a question as well. I didn't get to ask you guys in our last one that didn't record properly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, for example, if you're somebody that's about to begin the IVF process, what would uh, it look like in terms of financial? Like what, what's the costing looking like in terms of all the natural remedies that you went through, um, all the acupuncture, all, even including the psychology and things that you've done in that time too to make sure that you both as a whole were extremely healthy? <laughs> great question, actually, and I thought you were—I thought you were just talking about the financial cost of IVF to start with. So it was—it was actually really good. To, yeah, it is—it is an expensive process over time. We were very fortunate. Alicia had come into the relationship with some savings, and we—we lived—we lived a pretty you know, last four years. Alicia's taken a couple of years off work. I've taken a couple of years off work. We've done some travel together. We—we we made that decision that. Um, very early on that and especially with a baby that we'd you know we'd spend as much of it as we needed to to enjoy the things and to get what we wanted sort of through that period so I mean naturopaths and acupuncturists and that probably probably up you know near 1500 two grand with all the herbs and remedies I would say um through that early period of time um if you throw in counselors or psychologists that might be um you know, a little bit more, you know, a couple of grand. Um, I guess that we won't, I won't add in the cost of, you know, my mental health 
stuff to to an extent because a lot of that was probably other stuff, not just the IVF. But you know, you could probably throw another thousand, a couple of thousand on that. Um, I guess the exhaust, and you probably can't put a dollar figure on the fact that we were stressed and um, because of the disagreements to our relationship, it was probably clearly affecting us both in work um, or what we were trying to do, study. So there's probably a financial impact on that as well. Uh, then the whole IVF process, I think, roughly costs about. 12 Yeah, by time, like, grand? yeah, you're adding all the NATS and all that, it'd probably be up around 10 to 12. But you get, I think we got about six. Yeah, so we got, from memory. Yeah. So all up the um, IVF, this is without the NATS and the genetic testing and that, it's 11 and a half grand, but you get um, about half of that back. And then you've got to pay the genetic testing, the anatheist, all on top of that as well. Mm, yeah, right. yeah. So, so it's, the, it's, the it's a pretty expensive. Yeah. 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 And it, I mean, it, it, for some, it's going to cost less. For some, it's going to cost more. But um, that was, yeah, that's probably the, the financial impact on on it so if the if the kid is listening you know hopefully you are a lawyer or a, a professional <laughs> golfer or a tennis player which is earning millions so, no i hope they're listening and doing whatever the hell they want to be honest and as long as they're happy but it, that's gonna come back it, to bite you you realize that shame oh 100 percent that um, that's okay doing what you want and makes you happy that's coming back to bite you I'm telling that's you. okay that's yeah, okay. I don't they're, mind. They're gonna, this child is going to ring Arnie Sarah and they're going to be like, <laughs> Dad said this really horrible thing to me and I'm going to say <laughs> podcast and find these words that he said that you can do what And it's That's I'm, right. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm happy. I'll, um, I'll, I'll tell them to delete Arnie Sarah's number. <laughs> Never. Uh, yeah. No, so in all in all honesty, but and we will if we if we decide we want another kid, it's probably gonna cost it won't cost as much because we've got the frozen embryos there. The the embryos after six months do cost five hundred dollars for the year to keep stored frozen. So, you know, if we wanted to wait two years, that'd be a thousand dollars over the two years. Um if we wanted to go again. Uh, within the first year, then that's going to be, you know, a couple of grand there as well, which is um, all part of it. So, yeah, there's, there's not just – and kids are expensive anyway, like once you have them, but for us it was mm, probably more expensive in the lead-up. Like when we got the news and we told started telling people, like our, our spare room is, is full with stuff for the baby from our grandparents and stuff like that. So uh, Christmas came as well. So – the the process of IVF is probably going to cost us more than what the baby will in the first two to three years of life. So, um, yeah, it's quite it's quite weird how that works out because everyone says kids are expensive, but you know, having a kid for us is probably the most expensive part so far, or oh, and probably for the next few years. Just you wait and see. <laughs> well, I did. Say, I did say they can do what they want, and as long as yeah. they're happy. So I probably you're turn around trouble. and say, "Okay, Dad, I want this. I want this. I want this." Yeah, you're in trouble, uh, mate. You're in trouble. Yeah, that's okay. I'll uh, I'll I'll find a find a job which pays a lot. 
<laughs> um, well, that's all the questions that I had, um, obviously, coming into this process. Um, sorry, hold on. Oh, I think my computer is going to start ringing and that's going to be really annoying. It's okay. It didn't ring. Okay, cool. Um, obviously, coming into this process, I have come in without any knowledge on IVF. So I am the person that sits there and goes, so what exactly happens? What is the process coming into this and things like that? And I feel like a lot of people who are infertile or in an infertile relationship would be the same as well because you obviously you're not going to really understand it unless you a have someone who has experienced it or b you've experienced it yourself. Um, so this has definitely been something that's super eye opening for me to understand not only the the cost of things and the physical effects that it has, but the psychological effects that it has on you both as individuals and you together as partners. Um, and I and I think that that is is something that the community is really going to benefit from listening to this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, well, I think we both appreciate you actually hosting this for us as well. Um, oh, I've had some fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, and just to add to that, like we. Oh, I, I just applied, but I, there was something on Monash IVF Instagram a couple of months ago uh, when we only just found out at five weeks that we were, um, we, we were successful, uh, which which was actually really funny because you get a phone call to tell you you're pregnant. Now, how often does that happen that you, you have, get a phone call to find out that you're having a baby? So the whole experience over the last few months has been um, probably one a lot of people haven't you know, and won't ever realise, like, I haven't been able to go to some of the scans, I've been able to go to some of the appointments. So I'm really excited for the 20-week scan because I get to go. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really exciting. Um, yeah. But I, I, I reached out to Monash IVF. They said that they were looking for people to do um, talks or, or speak or do articles or whatever it might be and I just put my hand in the ring and I had a really good conversation with someone from there and I basically said I didn't know males could have infertility issues and she's like well yeah obviously they can but not many males will talk about it so um, she's been in contact with me again recently and um, you know this is something I'm extremely passionate about because I, I just I can understand how you know, as me and Alicia went through it, it's it can be so it can be more psychologically damaging than than anything really. Like it was it was horrendous at some points. So um, hopefully, we can help some couples out there just be, be able to manage themselves through the period of time a little bit better than what we did. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have anything else to add. Um, Alicia, did you have anything else that you wanted to add in before we yeah, finish up? Yeah, what I just wanted to say is just um, uh, some advice out there um, and just a shout-out as well. Just wanted to give a shout-out to Monash IVF. They've been absolutely incredible throughout the whole process. Obviously, not dealing with them anymore, um, but, you know, especially through COVID, it was definitely um, hard doing it um uh, going through that period so they were absolutely incredible but um some advice to anyone who is going you know he's got a similar story or similar background or you know trying to conceive my piece of advice to people would be 
to go get tested sooner rather than later because at least you know what you're dealing with. Like even if you don't want to start having kids immediately, at least if you get tested straight away, at least you know what the situation is um, and that can resolve so many issues, I suppose, um, if you find out what actually is going on with, you know, you or your partner's bodies. So that would be my piece of advice is to, um, yeah, go get tested ASAP. Um, and find out what's actually happening and to see whether or not you could be able to conceive naturally or you might have to go through, down another path because if you do need to go down another path, like as Shane said, I, we were fortunate and we had money behind us, but some couples might not have that money and it might take them a year or two to actually start that process because they need to um, find the financial side of things. So that's my last little bit of information for um, this podcast. Yay! The best. Yay. I really hope that this one recorded because I think I actually like this one better than the last <laughs> one. Yeah, I think this one was pretty top notch. The last one was uh, really great, but this one was just like schmick. I'm gonna I'll, my- I will admit, I nearly cried a couple of times this time. So I nearly cried a few times too, and I wasn't going through any of this. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure there are people that are quite emotional listening to it. So, yeah, please, if you are listening and you're, you're struggling with this, you don't have to. Reach out, um, find someone that you can talk to. Um, make sure you manage yourself first because that was probably the one thing we've learned. And over the next six months, we're going to be putting a lot of five months, we're going to be putting a lot of time into that is, is continually improving ourselves. So we put ourselves in the best position psychologically, physically, emotionally, for bringing a child into the world because it, it, you know, we could have just ignored that once we got the, the exciting news and, um, but that would leave us not in very good stead. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, guys, and congratulations again. I cannot wait. I'm sure Thank that, you. I mean, I can wait, but I'm sure you guys <laughs> are ready for a, uh, a little baby in the house. Mm. We, we are nearly <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to ask any questions, please feel free to send me an email. Bye for now. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Thanks for listening to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13-1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y-F-I-T-T dot com dot A-U.